if you call certain chiropractors or banks or whatever and you hear, you know, like, you know, thank you for calling Tito. For English, press one. Para español, o prima dos. That kind of stuff. Oh my gosh, I've heard you. <laughs> that was you? Hey, welcome to Craft Talk. I'm Tito Mendoza, and this podcast is a collection of interviews with people of different disciplines, ranging from creativity, business, and lifestyle. By diving into my guest's story and learning about how they approach their craft, I hope that these conversations help you find different ways to improve your own. Enjoy. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Craft Talk. I'm Tito Mendoza, and for this interview, I'm joined by a bilingual voice actor that has worked on projects for broadcast radio, TV, animated shows, toys, educational software, and many other mediums. With a voice like confetti and powered by giggles and gummy bears, please welcome Shelly Baez. Hi, Shelly. Hi, Tito. How are you? (laughs) I'm doing well. So I stole a lot of those descriptors from your website and Instagram bio. So I read it and right away, the part that said like powered by giggles and gummy bears, I was like, yeah, I, I got to use that one for the intro. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, I'm glad you did. I'm I'm happy that I, you know, inspired you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for making my job easier. Um, yeah. Yeah. So f- just from the few sentences that I read, it was like, I felt like you really capture what you're about and your intent really shines through. So I can't wait to hear more about what you do. So I guess let's just get into it. Tell us a little bit more about yourself, maybe where you are currently and what are some of the things keeping you most occupied? Sure. Yeah. So as you mentioned, I am a bilingual voice actor. I work solely from home right now. um, Thanks to the coronavirus, uh, the COVID-19 pandemic It has um, essentially made everybody have to ramp up their home studios and work remotely. So it has worked out really well for me. Um, I live in New York City, in Brooklyn to be specific. However, I have lived in other parts of the world really um, before this. Even though I was born in New York, I'm kind of a return back to my back to my hometown. Yeah, yeah. And I've been in this business since 2008, um, my very first voiceover job. And um, I would say within the last five years was when I actually took it serious as a career, invested the time in training and the equipment and um, producing my demos and agents and all the, the wonderful world of voiceover to get me to where I'm at today. So I do this full time right now. Wow. Yeah, so it's it's great. <laughs> I that's love crazy. my job. Yeah, that's that's so cool because I, I I don't know, I don't think I know anybody else personally that does work like you do. I think um, voice work for cartoons and toys and stuff like that. It's it's always something people think about. It's like, oh, that would be cool if we did that, right? Like it's always this idea, but rarely do I know someone who's actually doing it. So, how far back does this go? Because I know this probably was a journey before 2008. Like, how did you get to yeah. discover voice, your voice? Well, absolutely. It definitely was one of those things you're kind of born with, you know, the desire to perform or to create. Um, so since I was a young, young child, I was always the little uh, living room productions director. I used to put on shows for my family and drag my cousins to be my, my audience or my <laughs> cast. Yeah reluctantly 
Um, I was definitely Angelica Pickles oh <laughs> in my, my family. Gosh. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And so um, it kind of came naturally to me. And uh, aside from that, of course, we all grew up in the 90s, well, at least most of us, right? Right. And uh, we grew up around cartoons. They were essentially our babysitters. So I grew up a lot around a lot of those wonderful 90s cartoons that always inspired me to try to mimic them and to, you know, um, essentially try to um, live my life like a cartoon character. Mm. <laughs> so I always, I was always making up silly, you know, accents and voices. Um, I did drama in school and um, even at church, I performed with the drama team. So I was always performing. And in 2008, I actually was working as a sales assistant at a radio and TV station in Orlando um, and was brought into the booth to record for a client that hadn't really chosen um, a voiceover actor or a voiceover artist to do their commercial and it was kind of by chance they were like hey can you read this really quick I read it and it went well and slowly I started getting a little bit more you know gigs through that but um, I put it in the back burner that wasn't really my goal for my career I was definitely centered on marketing and advertising doing all that kind of stuff and um, that took me until 2015 when I had moved back to New York and I was working actually at um, a tech company, <laughs> a telecom company, completely opposite of what I'm doing now. Yeah. And uh, decided that I was going to start taking acting classes. So I started taking acting classes and stumbled into a voice acting for animation class, which essentially changed the course of my life. I mean, as you can imagine. <laughs> wow. So when you were in the radio station, what was your role again? I was a sales assistant, so I was definitely making copies, writing, you know, doing pivot tables, doing all that stuff of admin. I was straight out of college. Um, I actually had only been out of college for a couple months when I started doing voiceover with them. Um, but it was a random here and there project. It was I was not like their on-call person, right. but it definitely sparked that kind of, oh, maybe I can do this for yeah. money more. <laughs> yeah. So did they even know that? Uh, did you know that you could do voiceovers at the no, time? No, not at wow. all. I, I, yeah, I was just kind of the token college-aged sounding woman, <laughs> you know, that they needed for the commercial. But I did have a producer, well, he's a producer and also at the time was a sales executive that worked with me that um, believed in me enough to say, you should probably do a demo or you should probably pursue this. Um, And cool thing is that I still work with him today. So now we're peers in the voiceover community, whereas like back in the day, he was almost like a mentor Mm. um, to me. Do you think it was one of those things where he recognized something? I don't know how that works. Is it like, do you think it was a recognition of the personality could lend itself to voiceover or is it just like the i don't know timbre of the voice how how do you think that yeah, works i think it's a mix of things i do think with voiceover um a lot of people think it's like oh you can do silly voices you should do voiceover mm. or you know um oh you have a really nice buttery sounding voice you should do voiceover and i would say there's a percentage of that you know a small percentage of um, that particular trait is necessary for a successful voiceover career. Another part of it is really 
being able to decipher what the the vision of the client is right and to essentially bring their vision to life through words yeah um so there's a lot of that it's not just reading it's absolutely performing a piece of work <laughs> even right. though it's a you know a commercial um or whatever it may be so yeah i don't know i i think i think with him he probably saw that i was like naturally could um portray words um yeah versus just reading them straight out like i can kind of emote with the words mm. um so i think that was what it was for me uh but uh, yeah a lot of people think oh i can do a really great mickey accent therefore i should be mickey <laughs> you know um and it's not the case in right. voiceover. gotcha so did you ever connect that uh, when did it, you start connecting it like when you were younger doing angelica was you were starting as more of impersonations and and just mimicking the voices it really didn't yeah. click until probably yeah. a few jobs down the line in like the radio thing yes definitely um back in the day it was you know and i'm sure you tried everyone tries to do impressions of whoever it may be as a kid oh, and um it. i am terrible at impressions as well let me just tell really? you that sometimes people think i'm an impressionist you know and they say oh ooh, can you do this and i'm like nope that is not my wheelhouse <laughs> i will come up with new new you know voices that maybe sound you know like they're leaning because they were inspired by ah, certain people okay. but they will never be fully on um However, <laughs> back to how did I how did it click? It really clicked when I walked into that intro to voiceover for animation class here in New York um, okay. because the class taught me how physical it is to do animation and how, you know, everything from smiling while you're talking to your eyes being brighter to knowing where your vocal cords are placed to knowing where the air is in your mouth is a very scientific like physical uh component to it and once i learned that then that's when i started realizing oh these are the kind of voices i could kind of come up with um and then it was just acting silly and you know bringing to life people that you had met once on the subway and you had you know heard their voice and they just sounded super funny or right yeah or just really bad impressions <laughs> <laughs> So before before you got into more characters and um, voiceover for film and cartoons, when you were doing the job at the radio station, what were some, what were the type of um, reads that you would do? And and you mentioned that you had to fill the vision of what that specific project was. Can you name some examples, maybe, of like what that would entail? Of you get a script and then. You just yeah. read it out and then they listen to it and they don't like it. You have to change it. Um, well, yes and no. It, essentially, they'll, they know what vibe or what, you know, emotion they're going for with their script. Um, I can tell you, particularly in current days, I've done a lot of COVID-19 related commercials, which the emotion behind it was, you know, solidarity. It was making sure that people know that we're in it together. And there was a lot of cliches, of course, that's sure. that kind of an ongoing joke now. Yeah. Um, that everyone was, you know, saying like in these unprecedented times or Uncertain something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, the you buzzwords. Know, the buzzwords were all over. I read them so many times for auditions and such. But yeah, so that in in that client's eyes, they wanted 
whoever was saying the words, whoever was the voice actor to kind of um, reassure people through their voice, right? And so sometimes when it comes to projects like that, you're going to go a little deeper. You're going to go a little warmer. You're going to, you know, slow down your words. You're not going to be super fast and really peppy because that doesn't match the tone of hmm. the commercial. Um, back in the at the radio station, most of the commercials were for local clients, you know, festivals or club nights or, you know, things right. like that. So it wasn't so much of a, a method that I used until, honestly, until five years ago. Um when I started actually honing in and, and wanting to be a full-time career voice actor, that I started uh, learning how to break down a script a little bit better. Um, gotcha. And so, yeah. And when it comes to animation, the thing about it is that I'm really lucky that I get to work in all the different types of voiceover. Um, and there are so many. <laughs> like so what? many. Oh, so for example, I do um, phone systems. If you call certain chiropractors or banks or whatever and you hear, you know, like, you know, thank you for calling Tito for English, press one, para español, o prima dos, that kind of stuff. Oh my gosh, I've heard you. <laughs> that was you? Oh no, that was um, you. I was like trying to press one and two at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there's that, of course. There's also explainer videos. If you ever see YouTube or, or somebody's um, website where it teaches you how to, I don't know, fill out a deposit slip, that could be me too. I do a lot of those. Um, Netflix shows hire voice actors to do audio description for the blind and hard of hearing. Oh, wow. So essentially you're describing everything that's going on in the screen. I have really good friends that did... Um, like they've done a ton of movies and um, uh, Netflix originals. They're the the audio descriptions. So if you ever put that on, you can hear my friends telling you the door is opening now. You know that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and then there's the amazing world of animation, which can be, of course, my holy. Oh my gosh, I I need to hopefully get there. Uh, Pixar or you know yes. <laughs> working at one of the big houses. But there's also smaller animation houses. There's a lot of streaming now, you know, um, a lot of web series that never really make it onto streaming or whatever, but have a huge following on YouTube. So mm -hmm. there, the the options are plenty there. And in that case, you're probably gonna get a sometimes, not all the time, you're gonna get a a drawing of like a concept art of what the, the character is going to look like so that it can inform you to make your decisions on how to make the voice. Um, or sometimes it'll just be a description of like, she's a bratty little girl and, you know, that kind of stuff. And is that like, is that an, the audition process still? Yeah, that is still in the audition process. So yes. they send you um, the character, they send multiple people the character drawing yeah, and not all the time where, you know, if you're lucky, you get a, a drawing of the character, but I've gotten it in several of the animation auditions. Sometimes it just gives you a description of who they are, and then that's it. Um, and then it's up to you to interpret it. Like, do you want them to sound, you know, like they have a cold perpetually, or do you want them to have, like, a raspy voice to them? Or, yeah, so it's just kind of your imagination goes wild there. Wow, so... Can you break that down a little bit as far as how you create your characters? I'd love to know yeah. how. Yeah. 
Yeah, how so that I um, and I'm sure you can agree. Everything is is a musically. Um, you know, I uh, I treat my voice as a musical instrument, and mm-hmm. though I'm not necessarily an opera singer or anything like that, I can you know I can position air to flow in different parts of my f- mouth. Um, so I usually look at their eyes. I look at what descriptions descriptions they've said. You know, so. I try to base out of those keywords or those buzzwords of what the character is. Um, and then I normally, if they are younger, I try to um, place, like speak from the what we call the head voice, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in singing or in music. So speaking from the top of my mouth. So, you know, instead of what I'm sounding like now, it would be like up here. Right? Like in your head. And sometimes you can add a little bit of a gravel depending on the age, um, depending on if there's an accent or if you want to give them an accent or if you want to give them a speech impediment. There's so many like little nuances that you can add to a voice to change it that that won't sound like you. So, So, Wow. So how how did you learn to control... Much like in singing, like how do you control the airiness or the gravel, like you you said? You know, I'm a very visual person, so I truthfully will imagine if I'm if I'm going into my head voice, I'm imagining almost like like a balloon that I'm pulling up to my head. You know, like I I um I'm a very visual like person in terms of imagining i'm okay. an i'm very an imaginative imaginative person um so you know i don't know how to explain it you kind of just feel it <laughs> you kind of just yeah, yeah. you kind of just feel it in the back of your throat or feel it in your chest or you feel it in your nose or things like that and um oftentimes i don't create the actual character voice on the spot i just kind of recall it from a Rolodex in my head that is storing voices I've already created. So I'll create random voices when I'm talking to my dog, when I'm, you know, doing work and just talking to myself. And, you know, sometimes I will create a voice from a a silly laugh. You know, sometimes I'll just get in a giggly mood. And that's why I say I'm powered by giggles and gummy bears, because I do love to giggle in different ways. Um, and fun. so, yeah. And so usually I, a lot of times that actually bases, um, informs me of what I'm going to do with a certain character. I actually play a character where all she does is giggle sinisterly. Like it's a very sinister, uh, creepy kind of giggle, kind of horror story giggle. And that's probably one of my favorite characters to do because I don't really have to do much but be this creepy kid just giggling. Yeah. Um, Did you stumble into that giggle and then you were like, that's a good one. I'm going to keep that on file yes. Like, mentally. Yes. Um, when I go into the booth, let's say I have an audition and I'm going to, you know, go in. I will go in and just kind of turn on the mic and start reading the script or reading things in different voices and it'll just kind of flow 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 eventually i reach a voice where i'm like yeah it sounds like this to me and then i'll just really record it you know more on a serious note Mm -hmm. so that i can send it off to my agents gotcha so uh, the process works like there's a call out there for a voiceover for a certain character you workshop the voice and then 
once you've picked one, that's when you record it and then send it out? Yes. So I will. Yes. So I'll get the audition casting call from one of my agents primarily, and they'll email me and say, hey, we're casting yada yada. These are the different characters. Um, Normally, it's not just me. It's a group of people that have gotten this email, Mm -hmm. and it'll include the... um, the script and the breakdown of the character, which, like I said, it'll be like, if it's for a commercial, it could say female, 25 to 30, you know, conversational, um, like your next door best friend, you know, um, casual, not too polished. A lot of these buzzwords come about for mm. you to just be like a normal, authentic person. And um, again, then I'll go in my, this is like my own method i'll go in and i'll just read it a couple of times um that's kind of the beauty of having a self-record audition i do have auditions and i used to before covid where you would have to go to a studio and you had like a one-shot time type of thing where you had to just go in and the producer was there and you would read to them things have changed so my method has changed so now it's easier for me to just go in and just ramble and eventually land on on a tone and on a sound that I like. For commercials, though, I go with my heart. I feel like I only say them one to two times and I send it because I feel like if, you know, you don't really have to come up with a character at this point. You're yourself. Right. It's just more about reading the script the right way and seeing the meaning behind it. Um, so those tend to be quicker. Right. So, you, than, yeah, you don't overthink it too much. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and the ones that I haven't thought about are the ones that I land most of the time. Isn't <laughs> like that I'll forget I auditioned. Mm-hmm. It's just like the easiest. It, it's not the easy. It's you've put in the work, right? But it, it's still the effortless ones are the ones that kind of yeah gravitate towards people more. It's true. I've I've had to learn that though because I feel like I was I hung on to every audition at the beginning of this process um, when. I was just starting out with the, you know, with actually auditioning and getting an agent and all of that. I was so invested, of course, so ambitious, so green, mm-hmm. um, that I hung on to every audition and I would send it off and then think about it. Oh my God, did I get the audition? Or would they reply? A hundred times out of nine, like, I don't even know how to say this. I'm not good at math, obviously. <laughs> um, but like 99% of the time, um, they won't reply to you if you don't get it. They will reply if you do get it. But there's that 1% chance that they will be in the casting process for longer than you think. Yeah. And three months down the line, they'll reply and be like, oh, hey, you were cast for this project. And you're like, what project? Um, oh, wow. So I had, yeah, I had to learn really quickly to kind of just... Like Elsa in Frozen, let it go. Like, yeah. honestly, just do it, do your best, send it off, and whatever lands, lands. There's always going to be there's something for you out there, so, you know, can't worry on all of it. How long did that take for you to be able to let go a little bit? Oh, gosh, I would say about a year to two years. I, the first year, The first year, I think I was very much like, you put a lot of money in a lot of you know, sweat and a lot of time and a lot of investment into this career. It's not kind of, it's not a hustle. It's not something that you can just pick up. Um, And I'm sure you know from podcasting, like it takes a lot out of you and it takes a lot of investment. So the first year, you know, I had, 
I had spent so much money on on preparing my studio, on learning the techniques, on being the best I could be. And and then I was there and it was trying to audition. So I was really worried. I wanted to land every audition. I wanted to book everything. I wanted to make, essentially make my return on investment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, the first two years, I, you know, I booked a couple things and it was great, but it was a slow, a slow build up. Um, I can say now, five years in, now I'm I've at, I'm at the point where I can hit autopilot for a couple of things. I have, you know, a nice list of recurring clients yeah. that essentially I can almost predict if one of them or two of them will call me per month. So it right. kind of helps me, you know, budget and, and feel more confident. And because of that, I think my performances have gotten better because I'm not clinging on to the like one or two jobs that I'm auditioning for. Right. There's uh, a lot more that I'm auditioning for. So the day goes on, right? You right. send it in and you forget. So um, I would say the first two years were like the ramp up. Year three and four, I started getting more opportunities and more exciting things. And then by now, I'm like, I'm shocked that this is my full-time job. I, I honestly pinch myself. It's amazing. I'm yeah. so grateful. But yeah, now at this point, I'm like off and running. That's amazing. That That's really awesome to hear that you push through that. And two years is a long time to be like in this like fearful state of like, am I, did I make the right choice? Like I put all my money into this. Like, is this the right move? And it's it's kind of ironic that you know, the stage when you're like this quote unquote starving creative artist or whatever, mm-hmm. you're most stressed out. But if you weren't as stressed out, you'd actually be better at what you're doing. Yes. It's like this exactly. weird it's weird conundrum of oh, I could be doing better if I was less stressed out, but you can't help be in that beginning stage of trying to land those jobs when you have no rapport with anybody yet. Yeah, I'm super grateful that I paid my dues the way I did, you know, because yeah. now I can I can honestly be able to look back and say, oh, yeah, I definitely didn't nail that because look at that audition I did. You know, like I can mm. kind of listen back and feel like I um, I have learned myself as an instrument, as, you know, like who I am, what kind of choices would I make when it comes to a script. I've learned my about myself more in the last few years, you know, um, through this process and um and then also to be honest i i am where i am today because of like relationships that i've built with producers with casting directors with agents with you know peers in the community that have also because i'm just being their friend or you know their colleague have seen potential in me and whether or not they've connected the dots like you know recommended me for a job or for an agent or they've simply cast me in something you know mm-hmm. it's all kind of led up because of the relationships and those relationships started when I wasn't really booking you know I was just kind of trying to find people that understood what I was going through and it led to more opportunities than I thought it would yeah I, I guess I, I don't even know this how big or how small is this industry you mentioned I never even thought about all of the, um, you know, kind of voiceover for um, accessibility type things mm-hmm. for Netflix and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of Netflix shows. I mean, there's a lot of digital content out there that would benefit from that type of work. 
is it a competitive space? In certain in certain areas of the industry, yes. Um, okay. Most people go into voice acting because of a couple of things. They either want to be like an audiobook narrator, right? So then they like go straight into that realm and they start focusing on audiobooks and all that. Mm-hmm. Other people go in because they want to voice anime. And so they go into it thinking, I'm going to only do animation. The truth of the matter is to be successful in voiceover, you can't just only pigeonhole unless you're things, you know, someone like Nancy Cartwright, who does the voice of Bart, um, Bart Simpson. And sure, you know, or but even they don't only do one thing. They also act on screen and things like that. Um, So in voiceover, you really need to be versatile. That's how you're going to survive, because, you know, you can do a little bit of everything. And the majority of voiceover is not the glamorous type of thing that you think. The majority of voiceover that I do are things like explainer videos talking about a prescription drug and how to take it. Or they are, um, you know, tutorials on a bank website of how to open an account in Spanish to the Spanish speakers. You know, a lot of that. So um, explainer videos educational, like e-learning, those things pay the bills. And a lot of people don't think they're as glamorous, so they're not like, oh, I want to be a voice actor to be the module of your HR training program, you know? Yeah. Um, Because people are drawn to different, uh, because of different reasons to voiceover, the um, competition is greater in the animation field or in the audiobook field than, you know, all these odd end jobs Mm -hmm. in the middle. Um, but there are so many jobs to go around. And like you mentioned, digital content is king. And even now, COVID-19 has honestly boosted my career, boosted a lot of my peers' career, because even homeschooling, everything's turning digital, everything's turning into animation, because, you know, they can't necessarily film people because of COVID guidelines, so things are animated, and, um... There's a lot more opportunities coming down. Yeah, the pike. Yeah, and it, it sounds like you specifically have a pretty wide range as far as genres of the types of work that you do. Um, you said that some people just want to do strictly uh, audiobooks, or some others just mm-hmm. want to just land Pixar, right? Um, mm-hmm. Where Where are you at in that? And like, which ones do you like to stick in? Um, yeah. I mean, listen, um, I mentioned it earlier, but I would absolutely would love to be, you know, in a feature animated film or even in like a regular series on like Nickelodeon or Disney Junior. Mm -hmm. Um, I am I focus a lot in children's multimedia, so I just enjoy that that area of, you know, doing like leapfrog kind of apps or things like that geared toward children. Okay. Um. And I would love to say in that realm. That includes toys, talking toys, and things like that. Um, another, I, I mean, I would love to also be just the voice of a campaign, right? Like the voice of Arby's or something. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, I don't know who eats meat. Arby's. <laughs> Maybe I can bring back the Arby's. <laughs> Maybe that sinister um, laugh voice could do that we have the meat. <laughs> right? Oh, my God. That's, that would be so That's scary. actually perfect. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, so I, I definitely... I definitely want to be in animation, uh, like more, you know, I would mm-hmm. say like 90%, but right. I am, I'm very well aware that the 
the key that I hold that has led me to where I'm at today is my bilingual abilities mm -hmm. and the fact that when I speak Spanish and English, I have no discerning accent. So um, that being said, most of my money will come because I speak Spanish fluently without an accent and you can't pinpoint what country it's from. So um, I foresee and I hope that I stay in that realm. I, I definitely love being able to represent right. Latinos like myself in yeah. the United States and um, and kind of break that stereotype that if you speak English and you speak Spanish, um, then when you speak English, you have an accent. Not true, you know? Right. Um, so many people, we speak two languages and when we speak English, you can't even tell and vice versa. Um, so I love being like a, a representation of that. Yeah, that, that's amazing. I can relate to that super hard because I, I was born in the Philippines and, and, you know, I speak the language Tagalog, but I moved when I was like nine and growing up, I had, I had an accent when I was speaking English, but I could tell that like, it wasn't really cool yet you know it wasn't endearing like nowadays it's like oh accents are cool mm -hmm. but i as a nine-year-old quickly like right away just to like survive and to to fit in I, i i changed it really fast you know as a kid you're very adaptable adaptive um you learn how to change it there's this pressure to like sound a certain way i guess mm -hmm. you know yes it's like who is to say if i was when i was As I was growing up, what if I just kept the accent, you know? Yes. But there was like a stereotype to like change it or, or like a pressure to change it. Um, but it's kind of cool that you're bringing the two worlds together where it's like it doesn't have to be one or the other. It's it's It can be both. Yeah. And I definitely think um, there is a shift, of course, in, especially in the voiceover world for, um, for commercials, where I'm sure you've noticed a lot more um, variety yeah. in the sound. It's not the announcer voice. It's now, you know, the, the really, like, normal mom that wants you to have Kraft macaroni and cheese, yeah. you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm happy it's going that way, truly. But um, in the on the other end, there's still a lack of representation that needs to come. And um, I'm really grateful that lately, you know, I've gotten cast because I'm Latina, but not because I have a Latina accent. Mm. Um, so that's really important because, like you said, there's this pressure that if you come from another country, um, you kind of have this gray area. And listen, I was born here. I'm mm -hmm. I'm first generation Dominican and um born in new york and my family still speaks spanish i speak spanish as well i learned english and spanish simultaneously so that's why there's no accent right but there's still that pressure that in the world of hollywood if you are latina you need to be quote unquote latina enough right you mm. need to be this spicy fiery sofia vergara um sounding yeah. person Um, whereas it's not the case. And in voiceover, it used to be even worse. It was kind of like dialed up to 10, you know, to have accents. And a lot of times it was very offensive because people that were being hired were white mm. voice actors to do the roles of African-American characters or 
Latinos, Latino characters or Asian characters, you know, um, like on The Simpsons, right? Apu, right. Yeah. You know, that's like a prime example. Um, and so now the shift has really, really turned a lot, as you can tell. And I'm sure you've seen on on the news, like Kristen Bell leaving the character that she was playing um, on the animated show Central Park because she was playing a half black, half Jewish girl mm. and she's white. And then also um, Jenny Slate leaving Big Mouth because she was playing uh, also a half, a mixed black and white girl, black and Jewish girl. Um, so they're, they're going more towards authenticity now, which is great in my case because I am a person of color. Right. And so there's a little bit more opportunities. But right now I would say the next hurdle is to, um, to not appoint uh, accents you know, I, I people need to learn that even though I don't have a Latin accent in English, I'm still Latina, you know? Right. So I think it's like educating people. Same thing with you and your accent mm-hmm. or lack thereof. <laughs> um, same thing of any anybody. Um, I think it has to get to the point where, um, sure, it's accepted, it's embraced, we love it, but also it doesn't equate how how much of that particular ethnicity you are. Sure. Um, yeah, so that's where we are. <laughs> so, yeah, and it, and is that like how how you handle characters? Do you do you give your characters any type of accent? Cuz I mean, I I would I would guess like accent is a part of someone's identity and character if it was honored, right? If it was an, if it was done in an honorable way, I guess. Yeah. How do you right. distinguish that? If they ask for it, if they ask for um, a Latino accent, I will give it to them. And I derive it from the fact that I spoke Spanish before I spoke English. I mean, I spoke it, you know, throughout my early childhood. And then mm-hmm. once I started school, I learned English and kind of learned them all together. Yeah. Um, and so I just kind of, you know, tap back into that, tap back into my family because I definitely my family does have accent accented english sure. <laughs> um so i kind of bring that out in my performance but only if they ask if they you know i mean some of the characters i play are um are animals <laughs> yeah. or they're like you know monsters in a little make-believe land like they don't necessarily need an accent they can just be you know the accent can come from the voice placement or they can come from like adding a little bit of a gravelly voice to it or mm-hmm. a lisp, you know, those kind of um, distinguishing features to the voice. But it doesn't have to be a specific accent based on an ethnicity. Right, right. Okay, so so say you do land a job, you, you audition for the character and you pick the the voice that you recorded and submitted was the one that was chosen. What now is the process when it comes to an animated series? Right now it's all yeah. remote, but how, how does that all work? Right. So um, most of the animation I do is prelay, which means that they lay down the voices before they animate, uh, meaning that we record all of the scripts and then the animators come in and they try to match the mouth to what we're saying. Um, so that in in that process, we would, let's say I would get the email, congratulations, you were cast, 
It records next Thursday from 12 to 2.30, you know, be available kind of thing. Um, Oftentimes they send you the scripts ahead of time. In some of the animated projects I'm in, we record ensemble. In others, we don't. It just depends on the production team, I guess, what they feel more comfortable with. Yeah. I I prefer when it's ensemble because you bounce off of each other and then Mm. like the... The dialogue doesn't feel so choppy, right. you know, because you're kind of imagining what the other character's saying to you. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so in that case, you kind of just record all your lines. Typically, they have um, a series of people that will be on the on the session call. Lately, since we're all remote, most of it has been done um, through either Zoom calls. Or through a program called Source Connect, which okay. is a way for studios to connect with your home studio, similar to this. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, the engineer will be on, the client will be on, the agency will be on. Um, a couple people from, you know, the production team. Like, there's always, like, at least three to four people on the line. And then, you know, you record your lines, whatever. And um, typically, at that point, you just wait for whatever show or whatever, you know, program is released. So it's very common nowadays to sign um, an NDA, a non-disclosure agreement, Mm -hmm. um, when you are either joining a project or even sometimes when you're auditioning. If you're auditioning for a big brand, um, you know, the top Forbes 500, normally they don't want the competitors to know the information that's on the scripts of these audition. Um, what you're up to. These, yeah, what the auditions are for. Because they could be for a project or they could be for a um, a product that hasn't been released yet, you mm. know? Um, like Schmeich phones. <laughs> what? <laughs> like iPhones. Oh. <laughs> I was oh, trying to oh. be like, I was trying to be in code, you know? Oh, but yeah. things I was like, like I don't that. Even know what you mean. <laughs> oftentimes, you know, we'll, those, those kind of auditions sometimes come through my inbox and, you know, I'm auditioning for these big products and I'm like, oh, that's what's coming in September or whatever. Oh, so um, you get but the for those scoop. times, yeah. And in that case, even if you just audition, you can't say anything. Like, you have to sign the NDA with your audition. Um, but for the most part, it's an honor system. Mm-hmm. You know, they assume that you're a professional and you're not going to disclose information. And if you do, you're not going to get hired. You're probably going to get blacklisted in the industry. Oh, my gosh, yeah. So you're probably not going to do it. Um, same thing with animation. Uh, most of the time, if you've already gotten the job, if you booked it and you're ready to record... Um, they'll give you a talent agreement, which is similar, and it'll tell you, you know, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't say this, you can't say that, everything's ours, you know, those kind of things. Right. Um, but they're not scary. They're, you know, they're pretty good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, more very common to sign a non-disclosure agreement. When you're actually doing the voices with, so you're in the room or the virtual room at this point, mm-hmm. and you have the producer, you're reading your lines and is it like immediately like, okay, I like how that sounds. Let's keep going. How how much back and forth is there between yeah. the producer who's trying to see the vision and you trying to create it? Um, well, it kind of depends on the client. But I would say most places, um, 
the client will be on the line too, right? So normally the client wants to hear the talent saying it, the engineer's on to make sure it sounds right, the producer's on because they cast, so it's like a whole bunch of people. Um, And most of the time, you know, they'll have you read it through. They'll say, can you read me the script once over? And, you know, as a warm-up, so so to speak. Mm -hmm. You read it, and then sometimes they'll be like, can you give me line two one more time? Or can you, you know... um, They'll ask you to repeat certain phrases. Another way of doing it that some clients like is what we call line reading, which is where they isolate every line, and the producer typically asks for three versions of that line, an A, B, and C. Mm -hmm. Um, And in that case, then you read the same line three different ways, and then the client, you know, will say, "Oh, I like, I like B," and the producer's writing down all the 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 lines that they like so that the end uh. the engineer can piece it all together. Wow, just so it kind of just line. depends yeah, the line by line um I don't know, they both work in their own ways. You know, line by line can sometimes sound disjointed because you're kind of your thought is only on that line, it's not on the before and the after, mm. right? So it right. doesn't sound like a flow of thought uh, like a thought trail i don't know what they call it right (laughs) you know what i mean like it doesn't sound like you're kind of just flowing from your mouth it sounds like you said one sentence and then you said another sentence and it's like kind of disjointed but it can work though and then um and the other way sometimes you're talking through a line and you kind of chew it up right you kind of just fly by it so it's nice to make sure that every sentence is clear because Mm. Obviously, it's not effective if it's not clear. Right. Um, so, yeah, I've done it both ways. Uh, they both work really well. <laughs> and sometimes you get really lucky, and um, particularly with my my recurring clients, we've gotten it down to a science to where I just read it one time over, and the, you know, the engineer's like, yep, that was it. Okay, <laughs> bye. And it's like in 10 minutes, you've made a couple hundred bucks, and you're like, oh, well, that that's easy. One take, Shelly. Yeah, you know, but. Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> Last week, I had I had to pat myself in the back because I had a session where there was six people on the line, aside from the engineer and the producer, but um, it was for a pharma company, and they were doing the line thing. So it was, you know, ABC of each line, and every time they would do it, after I said it, the engineer would go back and say, okay, ladies, like, or, you know, which ones did you guys want to keep? Out of all of the takes, every single time, they were like, Oh man, Shelly, you're making it really hard. Uh, I like all three. So I had to pack myself in the back at the end of the day. I was like, oh, well, that's great to know that all I'm putting out is good work for you. That's amazing. Um, yeah, but sometimes you have like a rough day. Sometimes your tongue is just, just can't say the words. It just really keeps tripping up. And, uh, you know, it kind of just depends on, on the session. Right. So how wide of a range are those say the three versions per line, right? How much yeah. fluctuation do you do creatively when you when you make those choices? Normally, um I stay within the emotion that the that the sentence wants to portray. Mm-hmm. Um but I often put the emphasis on different syllables, right? So, um I don't know, it could be like tune in at six PM Eastern. Tune in at six PM Eastern tune in at 6 p.m. Eastern, that kind of thing. So you kind of make the emphasis travel throughout the wow. sentence. Yeah. 
Um, and then also kind of put on the energy in some and the energy in others, you know, because that same sentence, if it was like for, I don't know, announcing this is us, right? It could mm -hmm. be like, tune in at 6 p.m. Eastern. Like it can kind of lower the energy and the become more serious than, say, a Nickelodeon promo. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's how I change it when it comes to ABCs. And if it's animation, oftentimes I just kind of do um, a change in the energy. So the energy will go from, like, my normal character to, like, frantic or sad, you know, just different emotions to mm -hmm. see if there's any change. Um, and a lot of times they just want to see because you never know. Sometimes you come up with something that they didn't think about when they were writing the script. And they're like, actually, I like that take on the sentence. So we'll take that with us, you know? Ah, I guess this is a fun question. Have you ever gone a complete 180 as far as uh, they give you a description of what a character is mm -hmm. and you have the, the, the easy route of like, oh, this is, this character is going to sound like this. That that's what they're envisioning. Have you ever mm -hmm. like, no, they're going to sound completely different and it work? Um, so I have done it for auditions. I haven't landed one yet that I, that, you know, like Ooh, that particular take, hopefully <laughs> I, I always try to throw it in. So, mm -hmm. um, with auditions, I like to give the casting director two different versions of the sentence or of the, of the script. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes they only want one, but giving a second version might sometimes spark interest in them. Um, and so, yeah, I, I always try to go something. I, a lot of times I just add the Spanish accent mm. because a lot of times it kind of just shows the casting director that, oh, I can do that. So it kind of just sparks a little, huh, a little idea in their head. Yeah. Um, but on the other end, I have, I have book jobs because I can voice match, which means that I have gotten hired to replace the voice actor that's currently in the role. Um, for some reason or another, they never tell me. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and it's because they sound just like the character that they're doing. So although I don't do impressions, you know, like I can't do, a, I don't know, a Christopher Walken, that'd be kind of weird, but you know, <laughs> I can't do that. Um, I can definitely like figure out how to match character voices and like specifically Whoa. in cartoons. Yeah. Okay. So I have gotten hired because of that. Um, yeah, I, I love animation. I mean, all of that, all like the silliness is just so much fun. Yeah, I, I, I bet it's like you said you were very imaginative. So you're just creating your worlds in your mind and being able to translate it and try it out is really cool. Absolutely. And like I said, I love ensemble when mm -hmm. we're recording ensemble because it truly can be a laugh fest. Oh, Sometimes bet. you're listening to your colleague do their lines and their character is just hilarious like maybe they're the comic relief or mm -hmm. whatever and half of the time we're laughing along with you know yeah while we're recording it is a very very fun fun time yeah um the engineer loves you guys just yeah giggling and <laughs> oh yeah oh my gosh there's so many times that we get stuck on like parts and we start laughing so hard like we can't stop laughing for a bit um yeah, so animation's really fun to do. And because they encourage you to be wild and crazy and, you know. Yeah. Um, 
So you have that freedom of almost being a child, you know, while you're in the booth. That's um, so cool. Yeah, it's really fun. And you sound like, even when you were doing those examples of how you uh, tune in at six, mm. um, you sound so natural and like, it seems so easy for you. I, I, I would imagine that five years ago, it wasn't like that. Oh, absolutely. How, how, did, I was, how did that work with like when you had producers in the room with you and oh, struggling and all that? Super sweaty palms, <laughs> I know. I was, you know, I remember going to auditions and being like, especially going to in-studio auditions and being like, holy cow, I, you know, you watch movies, right? And you watch like actors running to an audition and doing all this stuff. And here I am living it up in New York, the same exact way that I imagined it. Um, but nobody mentions how nervous you get, (laughs) you know, and nobody mentions how you're in the waiting room. Everyone's reading their scripts to themselves and like mumbling. And most of the time, you know, other people in the room because you're, you know, your agent represents people that, you know, or other agents and you have similar voices. So you're now competing against your friend. Right. And, um, yeah, there's a lot of that, (laughs) (laughs) but uh, so at the very beginning, I was super nervous. I was, I felt like such an imposter, you know, I felt like such a outsider, like, who am I to be in here? Right. And, um, the more I booked jobs, the more I essentially got validation, you know, I started feeling more comfortable and more confident in myself. And like you said, it improves your performance. Like you feeling like, oh, <laughs> I'm all right. I can do this. It kind of gives a better performance than when you're super nervous. Right. Um, so it's, it's a weird cycle, right? right? You have to get confident to book more work, but you can't book more work until you get confident. And it's like a right. weird circle. And you have to go through that yeah. before you get there. <laughs> yeah. And you really, there's no way to skip over that part of being nervous. There's no way you have to be there. You have to kind of let that be the adrenal adrenaline that pushes you forward, you know? Right. Um, yeah, it's it can be it can be nerve wracking. Yeah, I guess if 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 you were to give yourself advice five years ago, or even someone right now who who wants to do this type of work, what is something? What kind of advice can you give them, and what kind of things can they do to set themselves apart? Yeah, so I definitely would recommend to getting training, to getting coaching. But before getting coaching, do your research. Make sure that the coach that you're training with is currently booking or, you know, maybe they're a a casting director. They have some sort of foot in the industry currently. They're not, you know, somebody that booked 25 years ago because things are changing rapidly um, with all industries, but particularly within the voiceover world becoming so digital and um, the reads, you know, the way you read the script becoming more casual and all of that. So having a good coach is really monumental to your success. Being open to being coached and not like, you know, going into it saying, I'm going to be the next, you know, Pokemon trainer and that's it. I'm not going to take anything else. Well, you're not going to succeed, you know. You may, maybe, hey, you never know. Maybe you'll get cast in one of the Pokemon series, but doesn't mean you're going to make your living. Like that can just be for the one season and then you're, you need to find more work. So um, going in open-minded and realizing that there's much more 
to what you see as what you consider voiceover. There's so much more voiceover going on and will continue to be going on. Um, And so, yeah, training, you know, trust yourself. If you believe that you're going to get there and you put in the hard work, you will get there. For sure you're going to get there because you're going to put in the hard work. But don't expect um, you to walk in and immediately book stuff when there are people that have already been, like, seasoned um, and just have more oil in their machine to book things. Um, So don't get discouraged. You know, it takes time. It's this kind of job. I always um, compare it to it's a slow cook uh, career versus a microwave career. So it's especially nowadays with influencers and people on TikTok going viral after one video and, you know, that leading to success. That's not the case necessarily with voiceover. Um, It's one of those things where you really invest, you hone in your craft, Maybe you specialize in a specific area. Maybe you don't. Um, you slowly build, you know, a list of people that trust you enough to hire you over and over again. And, yes, it's 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 a slow crawl and it's a marathon. Mm. All of these analogies. I've given you every single one I know. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah, so, you know, life is like a box of chocolates, you know. (laughs) I'm like, I needed to do that one, right? I needed that one. (laughs) Jedi. So, okay, so final question for you. This is something I ask all of my guests so far. What is something that you're working on to get better at? Um, It doesn't have to be with voiceover. It could be your life. But what's something that you are currently thinking, oh, I want to get better at this? Yeah, so I... um, I've been working really hard at um, time management Mm. and essentially giving myself the balance of turning off the computer or turning off. It is super tempting when it's five o'clock on a Friday, it's seven o'clock on a Friday and um, or not even even later on in the night and an audition comes in and it's for a really big client and you're like, ooh. I should just go in and it's going to take two minutes. Let me just record it and send it. Sometimes it's okay, but sometimes, you know, it takes away from you being present in, you know, say having dinner with your family or whatever. So this year has taught me um, to balance that, you know, to focus on family time, to focus on, you know, things outside of the booth. Um, And I've just been working on becoming almost like a more well-rounded person. And I think it's just all due to COVID-19 pandemic craziness. But um, in terms of my career, I've just been working on, yeah, being like a one-take person. You know, I want to make life easier for those producers. Um, So in order to be a one-take, you kind of have to practice, practice, practice and understand... um, how to read people and how to read what, you know, you have to know what they want without them telling you directly what they want. Um, so those are the two things I'm working on. That's amazing. And eating healthier. There you go. <laughs> I think, you know, quarantine pounds are no joke. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, wow, this conversation flew by. Um, I know. It's been There's s- so much more. <laughs> yeah, we, we could totally do a follow up, uh, especially when you land your Pixar gig. We could do of that. Of course. I'm happy to. <laughs> yes. Um, so, yeah, this conversation has been super fun. I, I really love your outlook when it comes to representation. And I love being able to talk through that with you and you being transparent about your experiences from when you started to now and 
the confidence that you've been able to find in yourself to 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 tell yourself that I can do this is really encouraging. Um, so I really appreciate your time in being able to share your story with that. Yeah, no, thank you. It, it you know, when I do these kind of talks with people, that's when you kind of step back and you're like, holy cow, like, look how much I've gotten done. You know, you don't really see that when you're so close to yourself, like sure. so up close to everyday life. Um, so thank you for, yeah. you know, and very great questions and kind of, you know, made me think. So oh, that's awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, no, and, and congratulations to you. I mean, this is awesome. I love that you're featuring people and, and their craft. Like, I think more people need to be inspired by our by peers, you know, by yeah. people that are in your friend group, for example. Yeah, I mean, I think I was inspired to start this. You know, right now, a lot of the people that I'm recording are just close friends, acquaintances, mm-hmm. and you realize how talented and interesting just the people around you are and they just don't have the they haven't been able to sit down in a space and be able to to tell their story to more people in some way so like being able to break down a specific thing that you do well was something that i'm interested in because in real life i'm actually i love being able to talk to my friends and even if they're not professionals at it they still they're still doing cool things so yeah. And, you know, that. it's breaking that imposter syndrome that people talk about, right? Oh, yeah, Where you I got think that, that you're not good enough. I get it too. Yeah. Trust me, I still get it. Yeah. And I, I kind of just swallow it and, and think like, okay, I'm just going to, you know, even if I don't belong in this room, according to my brain, I'm still going to do it. Mm. Um, yeah. So breaking that stigma by talking to other creatives, I think it's awesome because it like shows people, you know, listeners that, oh, they can probably do it too. Um, and yeah, and I definitely will say um, I'm not a gatekeeper of this industry. Most people are not. I, I have noticed that voice actors are probably the kindest people you'll ever meet. It is an environment and an industry that's very supportive of each other. Um I've made the best of friends by being part of the voice acting community here in New York. I'm part of the voice actors of New York group Hmm. and they do like get togethers and webinars and, you know, continuous education. And I've met really great friends through there. So having creative friends, like you said, you look around, you're like, wow, my friends are so talented or people that I know are so talented. Yeah. It really does help your own personal creativity to be surrounded by like minded and inspiring people. Totally. There's plenty to go around. Mm-hmm. Yep. Definitely. So before we go, how can um, people get a hold of you? How can they see or maybe even hear your latest projects? Yeah. So uh, I would say the easiest thing is to follow me on social media. I am on Instagram and on Twitter, both under um, Shelly Baez, um, S-H-E-L-I, <laughs> Baez. And um, you can hear me currently... Um, I am in a couple animated projects for preschool age children. One of them is called Bright Fairy Friends. It's on YouTube. I play three little fairies. They, there's even a line of dolls based on the characters, which is super cute. And you could buy at those major Whoa. retailers. Um, and then I'm also in another international show called Badanamu, which um, 
you can watch on Disney Junior Korea or you can watch on like YouTube and Roku and a bunch of other ways. And I play uh, Mippy and he is a fabulous pig that wears wigs. <laughs> and so <laughs> it's an amazing character. Um, and you can also um, listen out for me if you ever call your doctor's office or if you're watching TV. I'm <laughs> going might... to wonder now every single time. <laughs> you know, f- believe it or not, it's really rare for myself to listen to the projects I've done um, out in the wild. Uh-huh. But recently I've, I've heard two that <laughs> other people have heard and then they, you know, they wrote me and they're like, is this your voice? And I'm like, yeah, actually it is. Uh-huh. Um, so it is kind of fun. The first time I heard myself on TV, I absolutely screamed. I was all by myself watching Seth Meyers, and my commercial came on, and I couldn't rewind it. And I was like, oh, my God, I was on TV. <laughs> like, I need it. So, that is huge. Yeah. I finally ended up watching it on, like, an iPad, and mm-hmm. it's and then the commercial I did seemed to be, like, constantly playing in commercial breaks so whoever the client you know the client must have paid for a long time yeah so i then i was hearing it all the time (laughs) (laughs) yeah so um you know follow me on social media i always update people there and uh and you'll see what i'm up to and i'd be happy to have you guys and also dm me i'm very happy to to chat to answer questions to point you any right you know any direction that you need to go maybe this inspired you to be a voice actor too I hope so, too. That was fun, Shelly. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks so much, Tito. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Craft Talk. We hope you enjoyed this conversation, and I'll catch you on the next one. Bye. Bye.